Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. The CEV says it this way, I will bless you with a future filled with hope. A future of success and not failure. The Spirit of the Lord is committed to your success. He is committed to prosper you. He is for you. He is not against you. He is on your side and he goes before you and makes glorious paths and opens great and effectual doors for his people. My good friend Keith Moore said this, windows of light, doors of opportunities, and streams of provision. Jerry Savelle said this, for I will open new doors for my faithful ones. New doors. And my people will experience super natural increase as never before. I am not certain what 2019 brought into your life, but I have a word fresh in my heart. Let not the past become your story, but let your eyes be fixed upon the God of hope. For he opens a door to a new decade of promise and a new decade of great and glorious things. Hallelujah. That's the kind of plans he's got for us. And so we face our future with an anticipation of good. We face this decade with great faith and great hope, knowing that the God of hope does live on the inside. And in his word, you and I shall live and abide. For in the promises of God, we find great hope. Somebody said, well, I'm at the end of my rope. Well, the end of your rope is only the beginning of the God of hope. Amen. Hallelujah. So we, we took a look at the different aspects of hope last week. We found that hope is a promise. Hope is, a, is an anchor to steady your soul. Hope will strengthen us. Hope is an attitude which will guide us. And thank God, hope is bigger than this life. You know, many people have what we call a a negative expectation. It's kind of like these friends pulled a joke on their friend and he was going to sleep. And so they put a a, a piece of Limburger cheese under his nose while he slept. And so he woke up and, oh man, what stinks. And, you know, he went room to room trying to find out where in the world was the stink coming from. So finally he went outside, he took a deep breath and smelled the same odor. And he said, I'll tell you, the whole world stinks. 
So that's just a, it's a general attitude of negativity, expecting something bad to happen. See, the expectation of bad is despair and is based on fear. Job 3.25 said this, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. Here's what faith does. Faith expects the best. Fear expects the worst. Hope confidently expects the best. But despair fearfully expects the worst. How many of you know it's not the disease that defeats us? It's not the debt that defeats us. It's not our circumstances that really defeat us. It's when we yield to fear. It's when we yield to despondency and allow our soul to think on those things, those lies of the enemy. But I'm persuaded that this bunch in this auditorium, we are those who live by faith. We are those who see by faith. We are those that call those things which be not as though they were. Amen. And so what I'm saying to you is this. This is the fight of faith. This is the fight of faith. And just because you're going through some warfare, by no means means that God's displeased with you. Your faith pleases God. Your expectation of good is pleasing to God. And then, of course, there's what we would call a neutral expectation that we talked about last week. You know, it's kind of a quesarasara attitude. I don't know what's going to happen today. I'll just wake up in the morning and see what turns up. Well, how many of you know what turns up doesn't necessarily mean it's God? God's the God of the turnaround. And then there's this misguided expectation. This is something that Naaman really experienced. How many of you remember that Naaman was a leper? And he had a high expectation that once the letter was sent to the king of Israel, that Naaman was a leper... And once that information got to the prophet, that Elisha the prophet would just come out and say, Naaman, be healed. He'd wave his hand. And that there would be a lot of pomp and a lot of circumstance. Well, Elisha didn't even come out. He sent a messenger out to him. And he says, here's what you need to do. Just go down to that muddy river Jordan. And I want you to dip seven times. And on the seventh time, when you come up, your leprosy will be cleansed. Well, Naaman was full of pride. And he said, there's better rivers in my hometown, in my home country. I'll just go down there and do that. And Naaman went away in a rage. But the thing is, he not only went away with a rage, he also went away with his leprosy. He had an expectation of pomp and circumstance. Thank God someone talked some sense in the name it. He said, you know, if you would have if he would have asked you to do some difficult thing or you know, you you'd have done that and so forth and so on. So Naaman came to his senses and he swallowed his pride. How many of you know there are times where we need to recognize pride in our lives and get rid of it? I believe that before great and glorious miracles can happen in our lives, we must humble ourselves 
under the mighty hand of God. Well, thank God, Naaman experienced his miracle because he went to Jordan and he dipped seven times. And on that seventh time, he came up clean. And so lastly, and this is what we want to spend a few minutes in this morning, as we talk about expectation. Look at your neighbor and say, great expectation, great hope for 2020. It would be good if you could write your hopes out. If you could write your vision. Write the vision. Why write the vision? Because vision leaks. Vision is something that we must keep alive in our hearts. And one of the easiest ways and the best ways to keep vision alive is to write it down. He told Habakkuk, write the vision that he may run that readeth it. We got some running to do. We got some places to go. We got some people to see. We got some countries to reach. Oh, hallelujah. Get your running shoes on. Get your Nikes on. Get your running shoes on. We are going to run. But in order to run our race strong and not be detoured or distracted or run into a ditch, we must keep this vision and these hopes alive in our hearts and in our minds. That's why we repeat regularly, we're reaching the lost. We're healing the hurting. And we're maturing the believer. What is your goal? What is your vision for 2020? What do you want to see happen this decade? You certainly do not want it to be business as usual. We want to expand. We want to get into the area of the exceeding, abundantly, above All that we can dare ask or think according to the faith and the hope that's residing on the inside of us. I encourage you, spend some time with the timeless one. For time is the dimension or the currency of this dimension in which we live. And when you spend time with the timeless one, you will get an exchange from heaven and he will show you things to come he will write on the table of your heart his plan for your life is that okay today don't lose your shout expectancy creates a winning attitude in Philippians chapter 1 verse 19 through 21 and I want you to Read this with me as Brenda comes and leads us in reading this verse of Scripture. Look at my little pretty wife here. Well, he wants me to read so y'all will read together. Now, I am from Oklahoma, so I read a little bit slower, so don't get ahead of me, okay? On the count of three, let's read together. One, two, three. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. 
and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So much of what we expect in life is according to our earnest expectation. Listen, we can expect great things because we have been given exceeding great. And what kind of promises? Great and precious promises. Think of it just for a moment. God puts his great promises in the same category as the precious blood of Jesus. Peter said this, knowing this, that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Listen, folks, you've got great precious promises. You've got the great precious blood of Jesus. How in the world can we lose with the promises of God and the blood of Jesus that has brought us redemption? I'm expecting great things, but I'm not going to be able to work it out in my own ingenuity. I'm not going to be able to face this decade out of my own understanding. Our understanding will never, ever begin to fathom the depths of the wisdom of God. God is all wise. Woo, glory. That's why he said, don't trust in your own understanding. Don't lean to your own understanding. But trust in me with every fiber of your being. In all of your ways, acknowledge me. Here's what I'll do for you. I will direct your paths. And listen, friends, the paths that he will direct you to in this decade are paths of plenty. There are paths of wisdom. If your eyes could see these next 10 years in a glimpse... This place wouldn't be big enough to hold the goodness of God and the praises of God that would exude from the people in this house. Thank you, Lord. Expect great things. Why? Because He's a great God. He's a great God. Whoo, glory to God. I want to encourage you to do a study on the greatness of God. You look from Deuteronomy all the way to the book of Revelation, and you will see the word great. For example, in Deuteronomy 7, he's called the great and awesome God. In Genesis 15, he's our exceeding great reward. In Psalm 47, he's called the great king. In Hebrews 4, he's called the great high priest. Psalms, he has great mercy. He gives great rewards. He lays up great goodness. He performs great wonders. Hallelujah. He gives great peace, shows great kindness, gives great glory. And Lamentation says, great is your faithfulness. 
Hallelujah. Matthew 4, he's the great light. In Joel 3, his coming day is called great. In Mark 4, he brings a great calm to stormy, stormy seas. In Acts 8, he brings great joy. In Acts 4, he gives great grace. In Ephesians 2, he loves us with a great love. In Hebrews 2, he has worked for us a great salvation. But not only that, in Revelation 21, he's prepared for you and me a great city. Great city. He is great. And he is worthy of our praise. So base your faith on his goodness. Base your faith on his greatness. Base your faith on the foundation of his holy word. And as you stand upon his word, then look forward with great expectancy and great hope to the fulfillment and the manifestation of all that he said belongs to you in his word. So to expect then, it means to look forward to with great excitement. Amen. I remember back in 1977. That's right, I was born in a different century. Born November 5th, 1950. St. Mary's Hospital, Minneapolis, Minnesota, real close to the University of Minnesota. Born to John L. Thomas and Francis, L. Francis uh, Ann Melby. Amen. And of course, you know my testimony. I got messed up, but then Jesus got in the middle of my mess and turned me into a messenger. Thank God for that. Amen. You know what? He's the God of messes. He will turn your messes around. If you just invite him into your mess, he will turn your life into a message. So I got saved, you know, back there in 1975. And then I got a hold of the word like I preached real early in 1976. I didn't know enough about religion to have to get a lot of teaching to get me out of the area of religion. When I heard the word, that was it. I believe your word, that settles it for me. I'm going on with God. And then I met a beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl from Pawnee, Oklahoma at Rhema Bible Training Center. You know, they do call it Rhema Bridal Training Center. A lot of people got married there. And oh my goodness, my heart was happy. Because on July 22nd, 1977, we were going to say, I do. And you know what? We're over here in the year 2020, and we still do. We still do. We still do. But I remember the night before I got married, my parents had flown down from Minneapolis, and we had gone to the, the meal before, you know, the wedding day. But I remember that night, I could hardly sleep. I was so excited. I was so overwhelmed with anticipation and such great hope. I know what the Lord had already done for me, but oh, when I look at her, I said, whoo, look what the Lord has done. I mean, I'm like Adam. When Adam woke up out of his sleep, whoa, man, hallelujah. 
But I'm looking forward to I do. I do. And on that day that we got married, I was well aware of the fact that she had little brothers. One named by the name of Ricky and the other one by the name of Randy. And Ricky and Randy in the South, they would make a plan to steal the bride right after the wedding, put her in a wheelbarrow, and put her up downtown Main Street back and forth. But not only was I looking forward to our marriage, I also was prepared. Listen, folks, faith doesn't wait. Faith prepares. When someone is pregnant, they say they're what? They're expecting So I was expecting to get married, but I also was expecting them trying to steal my bride. So I got some handcuffs and I put one of them on my hand and one of them on her hand as we were leaving the church. And when Ricky and Randy headed toward Brenda, I pulled the hands up and I said, sorry, boys, not this time. I was prepared. And I was so excited. I was expecting. So we went to our bridal meal. You know where our bridal dinner was at? It was at Sonic. Come on now. Hey. I wanted a quick meal because I had a honeymoon suite at the Hilton in Tulsa. I did not want to spend all night eating. So I bought her a cherry limeade and some tater tots. And we went and had a glorious honeymoon. Why are you saying these things, Pastor? Because when you're in faith and when you're in hope and when you're anticipating, there's an excitement. How many of you remember when you first got pregnant, you were expecting? And what did you do? You got the house ready. You got the crib ready. You got the diapers. You're not just going to wait until that baby is born to do something about it. No, you carried that baby for nine months. Nine months. And all during that time, you're expecting. And many of you in this auditorium today are pregnant with a promise. I said you're pregnant with the promises of God. And I just want to say to you, it's almost delivery time. So make preparations. I just believe I'm saying this by the Holy Ghost. Get your storehouses ready. Get your storehouses ready. Don't wait to open up that savings account. Somebody says, I don't have money to put in it. Open it up with a dollar. And let God be God in your life. And do some awesome things. He says, well, I'm, you know, I'm believing God for a husband. Well, good. I'm believing God for a wife. Good, awesome, great. But get ready now. 
Invite God into those areas that are work areas in your life. Invite Him into your finances. Invite Him into your physical life. Invite Him into every arena of your life so that when that time comes, when you get married, you will be ready. See, I think sometimes God's not able to do certain things in our lives because we're not ready. And I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you today, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready. Do what you can do. And He will do what you cannot. I'm going to say that one more time. Do what you can do. And He will do what you cannot do. Woo! What is God waiting on? God is waiting to see our faith. He's waiting to see our hope. He's waiting to see his invita- our invitation to him of lordship over our entire life. <laughs> Amen. Expect to see some good things in your life. Can I take a drink? <clears throat> Hallelujah. So waiting... The correct way means you're on the lookout. I had a grandmother. Her name was Maida Thomas. Her and Lou Thomas owned a hotel in Cumberland, Wisconsin. The hotel was probably built right after the Civil War. It was old, but it was big. It looked like a mansion. It had about three levels to it. When I was a little boy, I would be able to go to Grandma Thomas's hotel and check into my own room. Tim, get the other room. I'm taking this room. But Maida, Grandmother Thomas, would come and see us over Christmas holiday. And she'd take the Greyhound bus, you know, down from Cumberland, Wisconsin to Minneapolis. And Grandma Thomas made those little beautiful cookies that had white powder on them. They were so good. And she would make something they called bones. And Bones was a rice chex mixed with all sorts of mixed nuts and various spices, and it was so delicious. And so Tim and I were so excited to see Maida Thomas. And my dad would go pick her up down at the Greyhound bus station. And we had a home in Minneapolis. It was on a big hill, a lot of grass to cut, a lot of walk to shovel. It's a big house. And I w- we were on the, the second floor. And we look through that window and we just wait with great expectation for grandmother to come see us. And it was such a glorious day and such a wonderful day that when she'd come, we were so very happy. Well, listen, folks, God's got better things for us than grandma coming to town. Grandma coming to town is a great thing. But I think that there's great and glorious things coming to your town. Great and glorious things coming to your house. But folks, it's wonderful for me to preach it. It's wonderful for us to be inspired by it. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you have faith for it? And are you expecting the goodness of the Lord to show up in your life? Hallelujah. So when you're in faith, you're expecting things. I'm expecting my body to change. I'm standing right now. If I would have let myself, I'd have stayed in bed this morning. But I'm not going to stay in bed when I have an assignment to do. Amen. 
I'm calling my sinuses clear. I'm calling my voice strong. I'm calling my body healed. And I'm expecting it to change. Are you listening to me? When we released our faith in the beginning of December, we expected it to come in. Faith expects. Now there is a correlation and a connection between faith, grace, hope, and joy. I love the definition of joy that I heard recently. Joy is the inner passion excited by the expectation of good. Say that with me. Joy Joy. is the inner passion passion. excited by the expectation expectation. of good. good. Oral Roberts said it like this, I can't improve on it. Something good Good. is about to happen to you this decade. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. In a few moments, we're going to have communion. But before we do, I believe that we ought to shout. I believe we ought to laugh. And I believe that we should rejoice. In Romans 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace of God. So we access the grace of God, which includes the blessings of God, by faith, and we stand there. So we're standing on the promises of God. But now notice this. We're not finished yet. But we also rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now that what, what that means is we expect the goodness of God to show up for what we're standing on. Now notice from Romans 12 and verse 12. Great verse of scripture. Read it with me. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Hallelujah. So no matter what we may face this year or this decade, no matter what may come our way, No matter what kind of patience is needed between the promise and the manifestation, between the the amen and the there it is, no matter what, Romans 12, 12 tells us to rejoice in hope. Now the good news translation of this same verse says this, let your hope keep you joyful. Now notice with me, let your hope keep you joyful if I lose hope I'm not going to be kept joyful I think that many people are not seeing the realization of those promises that we're standing on is because they have not continued to rejoice in hope and when your hope slips so does your countenance. And when your hope slips, so does your joy. And when your joy slips, so does your strength. But the good news is this, you can get it back. I said you can get it back. 
And you can get it back this morning if you so desire. Proverbs says that the hope of the righteous shall be gladness. I believe this, that God wants all of us to step up and to step in to this decade. But I believe also that before we can step up, we must pep up. Can I just be honest with you? There is no such a thing as a grumpy believer. That's why some mornings I'll just get up and I'll dance in my living room. I don't know what your dance may look like. It doesn't really matter what it looks like. The thing that matters is, are you dancing? Are you rejoicing? Listen to this statement. Rejoicing is a spiritual force which is expressed and released in various ways. The Bible is full of ways that joy can be expressed. Praising. Did did you sense it in the room when we were praising? I mean, Caleb over here was leaping. Tony over there was dancing. Hallelujah. Our sister over here was spinning. Jamar over there was smiling. It's amazing when all those things happen at once. It kind of looks like this. Wow! Says, what did you do at Heart of the Bay this morning? I went to a spinning class. <laughs> Glory to God. Brighten up. Hallelujah. You jam, we jam, we all jam with Jesus, right? <laughs> Not right, Rodney? How do you rejoice in hope? You can dance in hope. You know, the amazing thing about kids, kids just love to dance. You know, in the Thomas household, when little Lucy Thomas is there and the music starts, it's kind of like, she just, start, she just can't help it. You know that children laugh over 200 times a day? And adults only laugh about four times? I think what's happened is the older, the colder. But say not in this house. Not in my house at home. The older, the bolder. The older, the brighter. The older, the happier. You can give God thanks. and Did you know this? You can laugh and hope. Ha, ha, ha. Question. How would you act if what you desired had already come to pass? Now, now do that at home. Do that at home. Do that at home. See, if I don't rejoice, it wears me down. It does. Weariness comes on the scene. But when you and I, all of us, when we praise God 
in the midst of a bad situation, you knock Satan out. In Proverbs 17, 22, let's look there. Somebody said, I thought you were about done. Relax. <laughs> Chill. Here's a pill. It's a joy pill. <laughs> I got my joy pills on me, in me. Woo! Proverbs 7. <laughs> Did you say at Costco? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and laugh about five seconds. Ha! Ha! Ha ha! Oh, I missed it. Wow. If I took my glasses off, maybe I could do it. Ah, right. <laughs> Let me try one more time here. Well, I better keep these on. <laughs> That's humiliating right there. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh a little. It's all right. A merry heart will do you good. A merry heart is like medicine. The Passion says, A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. Hallelujah. It's medication. And you know, sometimes you just get so happy, you just can't control your laughter. It could be in church, it you know, could be at the home. Somebody said, Uncle Buck, look at you like, what is up with you? Sorry, Unc, I'm on medication. I'm on medication. I'm on the joy of the Lord. Before we have communion, and we will in just a couple moments, here's some of the physical benefits of laughter. Get, get this. Rejoice in hope. Access grace by faith. They work together. It'll boost your immunity. It lowers your stress hormones. Decreases pain. Relaxes your muscles and can prevent heart disease. Listen to this. Joy restores and rejuvenates what the pressures of life have taken from us. Job 21, 8, 21 says it like this. He will yet fill my mouth with laughter and my lips with shouting. It's one of the greatest stress relievers that believers could ever enjoy. It's Holy Ghost laughter. You know, you don't always have to start out in the spirit. Sometimes you need to start out in the natural. If you just start out in the natural and just go, ha, 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 the Holy Ghost can help you and take hold of that and bring you to a place where you're laughing in the spirit. Brenda makes me laugh all the time. We have little phrases from the past. She'll just say something and I will just crack up. Because it means something to us. Say it with me, the joy of the Lord, the of the Lord. Is, my is my strength. Laughter release, relaxes the whole body. 
It's a good, a good healthy laugh relieves physical tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes after. They say that if you will laugh more, you'll sleep better. They say that if you laugh more, you will look younger. Ha ha! Ha ha! Well, I just turned 40! Ha 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 ha! You come to my party when I turn 70 in November and we'll just laugh. Pastor just turned 70! Ha ha! <laughs> oh, I just, I just dread being 50. You're just a kid. Isn't that right, Dell? They're just kids. I look at Sabrina and Misha. I call them kids. I know they're not kids. They're beautiful young ladies. But you know, when you're almost 70, anybody under 60 looks like a kid to you. Don't sweat getting older. Don't sweat it. It's easy. You can do it. <laughs> huh? Praise the Lord. Hey, Vern. Vern. Stand up, Vern. Stand up. Praise the Lord. Look at here. How old are you, Vern? 87. Now, notice where Vern is not. Vern is not in bed at bedside assembly. Listening to a sermon by Pastor Sheets. <laughs> and listening to a prophecy by Sister Springs. No, Vern is in church. Where should you be on a Sunday morning? It sure beats being in the drunk tank. Somebody says, how do you know, Pastor? I know. <laughs> Come on, let's laugh a little. Woo! Ah. Well, I don't know what he, I don't know what he's laughing about. <laughs> ah. One thing our spiritual father taught us was to laugh. Praise the Lord. So famines are going to come. Circumstances are going to come. Things are going to look bad. I got a text from Pastor Hagen this morning. He said, you know, just because it's a new year doesn't mean there's not going to be any problems. But he says, but don't base your faith on the problems. He says, base your faith on the eternal promises of God and it'll turn your promises and problems around. 
That's good news. So we got a choice. We can rejoice or we can be sad. We can rejoice or we can just talk about how bad it is. But here's what Job 25.22 says. It says, at destruction. At cancer. At lack. What do you do? At the threats coming out of Iran, what do you do? You laugh. You laugh. And you rejoice in the God of your salvation. Great hope for 2020. A recent newspaper article said this. Stress relief found in laughter clubs. Did you hear that? The world is developing laughter clubs. They have laughter small groups with laughter leaders, not nightclubs, laughter clubs. It talked about how laughter clubs are being started across the nation and around the world. People gather to laugh. People need to laugh. Then it goes on to say, wouldn't that be good if some churches would get that revelation? That it's okay to go to church and have some fun. People go to clubs and laugh. They go to church oftentimes and sit up with the dead. Not here. And the writer went on to say, something's wrong with that. We ought to be laughing in church. We ought to be full of joy because we're full of Jesus. I said we ought to be full of joy because we're full of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 See, nightclubs have spirits in them. We used to go to those nightclubs and get full of spirits, evil spirits. Alcohol is what they call spirits. So I said, well, I, I know, Pastor, I can get happy in the nightclub, but in church, we've got a better spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit. And he says, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I know I preach long today, but I'm not going to apologize. Happy, happy, joyful New Year to you.